Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Relational vampires, how to love the people that suck the life out of you, which is basically what it is. And there are so many people in our world that kind of suck the life out of us, right? And they might be our spouse, they might be our significant other, they might be a boyfriend, girlfriend, they might be a family member, they might be a parent, and they might be kids for grown-up parents. But sometimes people just take the joy out of us. And maybe they do it intentionally, maybe they do it unintentionally, whatever the reason. But the reality is that we are supposed to live with them because we can't, especially if they're part of the family, kick them to the curb and get rid of them. We have to learn how to deal with them. We have to learn how to actually live in this situation. And so the reason why we call it vampires, relational vampires, is vampires suck the blood out of you, right? And they might be a fictional thing, but there's real people that suck the life out of us. And that's not fiction at all. In fact, it's not a joke at all. It's not funny at all. So, we have to recognize that these people are all around us, draining our energy, draining things in our life, and we have to actually learn how to love them and live with them. And so that's what this series is about. And so last week we kicked off our series with, anyone remember what the message was? Anyone? Were you guys here? (laughs) Control freaks, right? Thank you. Control freaks. And so this week, our message title is called Life Critics. Life Critics. And so basically, what we're talking about is critical people. One day, this man walked up to his pastor and said, Pastor, I'm leaving your church because the people in it are very judgmental they're not very loving, they're not very embracing, and they always tell me I'm doing wrong, even though I'm doing wrong. They tell me that I'm a horrible person. I've decided that I'm going to leave your church. I'm going to go down and look for a perfect church where people are always loving. No one tells me what to do. I tell myself what to do. I'm going to find this church, make sure that it's great, and I'm going to join it. And the pastor said, that's great. As soon as you find that church, make sure you don't join it because it will no longer be perfect. (laughs) The reality is we all have to live with critical people. And unfortunately, we face situations in our world where we are criticized, whether it's for good reason or bad reason. How many of you have someone in your world that has the super amazing wonderful spiritual gift of fault-finding. Raise up hand, anyone? You guys have some in your world? Awesome. If you've ever leaned or learned about criticism, you know that it does not feel good. It's never good when someone criticizes you. The way you look, the way you dress, what you say, where you go, it doesn't feel good at all. And if you've leaned over to someone and said, hey, There's five things I don't like about this church. Maybe this message is for you. Some of us have people in our world, like our bosses, that 
You know, when we're doing good stuff, we don't get any recognition. You don't get a, a point. You don't get told you're doing good. But as soon as you do one thing wrong, they come down on you and say, you're a horrible person. You're messing up. You're not doing a good job. They pick a whole bunch of things to be, criticism, be critical about. But they don't recognize anything good that you do. Or maybe you have adult parents that always criticize. You know, you're not raising your kids right. This is how you should raise your kids. You know, this is how you should spend your money because you're not doing it right. You have to do it this way. Or maybe you're just doing life wrong and you have to get organized better and you have to plan better and do this better. Or maybe you have a spouse that is always critical of you and laughs at you and says, you know what, you're getting too big. Why don't you lose weight? Or, you know, why do you, why do you always chew your food so loud? <laughs> why don't you put your things in the dishwasher? You just leave your clothes everywhere. I don't have to clean up after you. You don't look good. Wear better clothes. I hate that outfit on you. You're always doing something wrong. They always point out the negatives in your world, right? The reality is that we have these situations. And you know what? Sometimes church is an easy target because we all come to church and we all feel like we have a say and we have to give our input and say things and do things and, and talk about things. And, and sometimes even people that don't go to this particular church have a lot of things to say about us. Why are we so demanding to get people to serve? Why are they always asking people to do serving? Why don't they just leave us alone? You know, I wish they would talk more about this stuff and not that stuff. Why don't you preach more about, insert your favorite subject. And I wish you'd stop talking more about, less about, insert your least favorite subject. Worship is too long. And other people say, worship is too short. The sound is too loud. The sound is too low. I wish they turned that up. I wish they'd sing these kind of songs more. I wish people wouldn't say this about this. Everyone has something to say. Why isn't the preacher jumping off the ceiling? Why don't you guys lift your hands? Why don't you guys all speak in tongues? Let me tell you, I've heard so many things. Sometimes it comes to me later. Sometimes it comes to my face. But here's the reality. No matter what you do or where you go, even in church, you will always find people that have something to say. Yet these are the very same people that won't actually do anything, but they like to criticize other people that do stuff and offer opinions on things that they're not willing to do anything themselves. If you see something wrong and want to change it, do something about it. Right? If you see someone doing something that you don't think is the right thing, Maybe you can help them rather than criticizing them into doing something you want them to do. Because most critical people really want other people to do the things the way they want them to do things. And they don't feel that other people have an idea of how to live their life and that they're God's gift to the world to come into their life to instruct them on how to live their life. Being a bit facetious, but that's the reality. See... 
If I didn't know what God has called me to do, then I'd be pulled in so many different directions by so many people's different opinions. And if, you're not, if you don't know what God has called you to do, you're going to be pulled in so many different directions based on all the information or criticism that comes into your world. Because you're trying to shape yourself based on what other people think you should be and not what God wants you to be. To avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, says Aristotle. He was a philosopher, ancient Greek philosopher, and he said, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Now, I don't want to criticize his quote, but when you do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, someone's going to criticize you and say, you're lazy. Right? You can never win. If you decide, you know, I'm going to take care of my family and work hard and probably put an extra hour so I can provide for my family, someone's going to criticize you and say, why are you working so hard? Don't you care about your family? And you say, okay, okay, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to focus on my family and make sure I love my family. And someone else says, okay, don't you care about your family? You're not working. Are you a lazy bum? Go to work. No one can ever live based on other people's opinions. If you have that mentality, you're going to be a miserable person because you'll never actually be content in who you are. Because if we do listen to people, we'll always be shaped by their opinions. If all we do is listen to critical people on how to live, we will never actually live a life that is critical to us. If all we do is listen to critical people on how to live, we will never live a life that is critical to us. If you are alive, you're going to have to deal with criticism. If you follow Jesus, you're especially going to have to deal with criticism because people are not a fan of Jesus' followers. And so how do you respond to critical people, especially if you're a Jesus follower? And so today I want to give you four practical examples of how to live and love people that are critical in your life. Are you ready? You ready? You guys are really quiet today. Even when worship. But you guys ready? Do you have critical people in your world? Do you want some help? All right, Jesus offers that to us. Number one... When people criticize you, often you don't respond. You don't respond. Just because someone criticizes you does not mean you have to respond to their criticism. This is one way that Jesus actually handled criticism. Peter, who was always there to follow Jesus and listen to Jesus and got instructed by Jesus, observes how Jesus handled criticism in his world. And so he tells about how Jesus did it in his letter that he writes in 1 Peter, which we're actually doing in our scripture study on Wednesdays. This is what he says. When they hurled their insults at him, speaking about Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Pay close attention to what Peter describes his savior, his mentor, his friend, and his God like. He says that when they hurled insults at him, and you remember what insults they hurled at Jesus. They called him a friend of sinners. They called him a drunk. They called him a lunatic. They called him demon-possessed. They called him that he was a heretic, that you are not from God. 
They said all of these things about Jesus, but Jesus did not respond to the insults that were thrown in his direction. He didn't retaliate. He didn't defend himself. He didn't complain. In fact, he trusted God because that's what Peter says. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Trust yourself to God, to the one who judges directly, justly. Just because they have access to you does not mean you need to respond. Right? Just because they have access to you does not mean you have to respond. Don't allow their critical words and injuries to attempt you into doing something that you don't necessarily have to do. Follow the example of Jesus. Jesus did not take offense. He didn't allow it to get in his heart. Overlooking offenses does not mean the same thing as pretending it didn't happen. Jesus overlooked offenses. In fact, it comes from this word, this concept they had called the Passover. You can understand that if you understand anything about scriptures. Jesus' decision was to pass over offenses. To, go, to rise above them, not be influenced by them, but to rise over them. Not to be entrenched into the hurt and pain of the situation, but to rise over it, to pass over it. Forgiving in real time, not saying, okay, I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to suffer through the pain, I'm going to be hurt by it, I'm going to be offended by it, and then later on go to counseling, talk about it, and three months down the road, I'm going to try and forgive them. That's not what Jesus did. He passed over the offense, choosing in real time to not be offended by criticism. See, your role is to obey God, not to answer to the critics. Your role is to obey God and not to answer to critics. Because as I said in the first week, if you know who you are, you know how to live. If you know who your identity is, you know what God has called you to do. You can't lead and live from a place of insecurity. You can only lead from where you know what God has called you to live in. So listen to God and His opinion about you and His value placed on you and not what people say about you. So you don't have to respond. Sometimes you don't respond. Number two, sometimes you respond carefully. You respond carefully. See, there's a huge difference between responding and reacting. Reacting is the spur of the moment emotion. Someone punches you, you punch them back. Someone says something to you, you just spout whatever comes to your mind back. That's reaction. But response is completely different. Response is a measured, thoughtful reply. You think about it. You pray about it. You let God saturate you with what He is guiding you in. And then you respond. Response is measured, thoughtful, insightful, and spirit-led. Reply is emotion-based. It's based on what you feel in the moment. Oh, I'm offended. I'm going to say something back. Oh, I'm upset. I'm going to say it, let it back. Let you have it right away. But that's not what Jesus did. 
Again, as we look at Peter's observations about Jesus, Peter actually described who Jesus was and gave his story about Jesus to John Mark. And Mark wrote it down, and that's where we get the gospel of Mark from. And so Jesus has this particular instance that Mark documents from Peter's story about Jesus going to Matthew's house. Matthew was a tax collector, and he was despised by his own people because he was actually ripping them off to make himself look rich and send riches to Rome. And so he was hated and despised by his own people. But Jesus came along and called Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his disciples. And then he goes to Matthew's house that Matthew gathered all his tax collector friends to have a party at. And so Jesus goes because he wants to interact with this group of despised people. He wants to have relationship with them. And so he goes to Matthew's house for this particular party. See, there were people around that came to the party that were there not to see what Jesus did, but to inspect what he did. What are you doing? Not why are you doing it? They just wanted to see what he did. And so they were interested in his actions and what he performed, but they weren't interested in his mission and his purpose. They just observed what he was doing on the outside. And so Mark documents this, and this is what he says. With the teachers of the law, who are the Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples. See, sometimes criticism doesn't go directly to you it goes to people around you so it says when he asked the disciples why does your master sit and eat with collect tax collectors and sinners on hearing this jesus said to them it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick i've come to call the righteous I'm not called to call the righteous, but sinners. People didn't know what God had called Jesus to do. They thought he was just around doing stuff. Sometimes people don't, don't know what God has called you to do. Because they just observe what you do on the outside. They don't see your heart. They don't see your mission. They don't see your purpose. And they judge you based on your actions. And that's what they did. They didn't see the people Jesus came to see. They didn't see why Jesus came to interact with this group of hated people. They were just concerned by what he was doing. He was sitting down and eating with people that they despised. And so they were criticizing him. They didn't understand why. I came, Jesus says, to love the unloved. I came to heal the sick. I came not to the self-righteous, but to those that are despised. And that's why I came here, because I wanted to interact with these people that you guys won't, don't want to have anything to do with. But they need love just the same. When people judge your actions, they may not understand why you do what you do. Because they don't see what's in your heart. See, some criticize you based on your actions. Why are you going back to school? You're too old to go back to school. Who's going to take care of your bills if you're devoting all this time to educating yourself? Maybe 
You spend too much time in church. Why are you at church so much? Don't you have other things to do? Because they don't understand what you're called to do, your ministry. You're going to be a stay-at-home mom? Well, who's going to take care of all the rest of the stuff? Who's going to pay your insurance on the car? If all you're doing is stay home. They don't see why you do what you do. They don't see that you decide to go to school because you want to better yourself and benefit everyone around you. They don't see when you stay longer at church that you're investing in what God is doing through you into the community and into the world. They don't see when you're a stay-home mom, you care about the education of your kids to raise them up in the right way. They just see other things and they criticize. Sometimes we can offer an explanation and an explanation is not an excuse. Sometimes when a friend unleashes on you, a co-worker pulls you apart, tells you things that you shouldn't be doing, parents are writing you, we have to respond and not react. See, when emotions are high, wisdom is low. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. Because when we are in an emotional state, we don't offer wise statements, we just react out of emotion. And we don't have a measured, thoughtful, prayerful, spirit-led response. But what we have to do sometimes is not react in the moment. We need to go away. We need to think about it. We need to pray about it. We need to let the Spirit of God lead us to respond in the right way. Because we don't want to end up being critical people. When emotions are high, you are not being led by His Spirit or the Holy Spirit. You're being led by emotions. And when you get mad and you want to type that text and say what you think about that person, don't hit send. Pause. Pray about it before you respond. Don't type that email to your boss late at night because you're upset and press enter. Send. Pause. Think about it. Pray about it. Remember, oftentimes, criticism isn't about you. Most times, Criticism is born out of their own life. Most angry people are usually hurting people. Most people who are critical are dealing with problems in their own life and they project their insecurities onto you. Take it out on you. See, I've never met a well-adjusted, happy, productive, and positive person who constantly bangs out hateful comments on Facebook. Behind every anger is a hurt. Try to remember that, and sometimes that will help us be compassionate. So you're not going to react. You're going to prayerfully respond. Sometimes that's the action that's best. So number one, sometimes you don't respond. Number two, sometimes you respond carefully. And number three, occasionally you listen and make a change. Sometimes the critics are right. Sometimes we do have to look at ourselves and see that we're not perfect. Now that's hard for some of us to admit that we're not perfect, that we don't walk on water, that we didn't just come down from heaven. Some of us have problems. Some of us have things in our life that may not be the best. 
And sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror and see it in ourselves. It's easy to look into other people and say, hey, you're a critic, you're, a critic. you're this and you're that. But when we look in the mirror, we often don't judge ourselves in the same standard we judge other people. We make critical remarks on other people, but we make excuses for ourselves. So, if everyone tells you that you have a problem, everyone tells you you have a problem, maybe you have a problem. If your spouse who loves you passionately says you have an anger problem, maybe you have an anger problem. If everyone says the person you're dating is a monster from a horror movie, then maybe they're right. Everyone tells you something, then something is wrong. Because some people are not being critical, they're offering constructive criticism, which oftentimes we mistake for criticism. And if it's like, I'm not listening to anything, I don't want any criticism in my life, it doesn't matter what you say, how you say it, I'm not going to listen to anything, that actually doesn't benefit us. We don't actually mature and grow from that experience. We actually can learn from people who often offer constructive criticism in our life things that I've needed to change over my life, behaviors and attitudes that I've had to change in my life have come from places that sometimes people have, I've thought, is criticism. And it didn't feel good. Honestly, it didn't feel good. When someone says something negative about you, it never feels good. But on reflection, if you're a wise person, you sit and you think about what they said and you understand that they're not trying to harm you, they're actually giving you positive feedback or positive criticism or constructive criticism, they're trying to help you get better. Especially if it's coming from a place of a person who loves you. They're not just being critical, they're trying to offer constructive criticism. Listen to what Solomon says, perhaps one of the wisest people that ever lived. This is what he says to us. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. Solomon, who was the wisest person that ever lived, tells us, if you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home with the wise. You'll be sitting with wise people. You'll be in the company of people that are wise because they've taken on something into their life that might not be the best. They've heard it and they've made a change. They've changed something about yourself. Which then leads us to a question of how do we differentiate between bad criticism and constructive criticism? Because it all feels the same way, doesn't it? It feels, doesn't feel good. It feels like they're putting you down. It feels like they're saying something negative. But how do we differentiate? Here's a good guideline. If you can take advice from someone, you should also be able to hear criticism from them. If you can go to someone and ask them for advice, and you'll take their advice, when they offer criticism to you, you should be able to take that as well, because it's coming from a place that's of love. If you're sitting there and say, I need help with this, and you say, yeah, that's some good advice, and they offer some criticism as well, be willing to take that. See, the reverse is also true. Never take advice from someone 
who you can't take criticism from. If someone criticizes you and you're like, I'm not going to take that criticism, then you'll never go to them for advice, would you? So you don't have to listen to that as well. There are people, however, that God has put in your life to help you on your journey, to make you stronger and better and wiser. And sometimes it feels like it's coming across as criticism. But if you have the knowledge of what God is doing in your life, you'd understand that it's not something there to destroy you. It's there to help you build up. And I've learned so much. Sometimes we are missing opportunities for growth if we don't allow positive criticism or constructive criticism to come into our world because there's so many things that you can learn from it i've learned how to be a better leader how to do different things better you can learn how to be a better leader a parent a husband and just listen because not everyone is out to destroy you there's some people in your world that god is allowed to come in that are there to help build you and we have to understand that there's a difference between someone criticizing us and someone offering good criticism. And we have to allow the Spirit of God to lead us and understand the difference. And number four, principle number four, always work to guard your heart. Always work to guard your heart. Because, and this is key, you don't want to end up being a critical person to other people. You don't want to end up being a critic. That other people say, look at him. He's coming. I know he's going to say something bad. I'm going to move in the other direction. When your friends come along and say, don't talk to him because, or don't talk to her. She's always going to say something negative. You don't want to end up at a place where you don't want other people to talk about you and you want to talk about other people. We don't want our hearts to turn into critical hearts. We don't, we don't want to end up accusing other people. See, the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his names. That's one of his titles. He goes around accusing the people of God. That's who he is. And when we become accusers or critical people just like that we're taking our hearts and we are aligning it with him rather than aligning it with christ we align our lives and we align our values and our thoughts with the enemy who is the accuser of the brethren rather than aligning our hearts with christ and his grace and forgiveness that's important for us to understand listen again to what solomon gives us advice from he says this some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks. And if you've lived, if you're alive, if you're a human being, you know how words can cut to the very spirit. You know what it feels like. All of you have experienced some hurtful words in your world. Someone has said something to you put you down, called you something, and you felt the hurt and pain of those words. He says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So what, Paul, what Solomon is trying to say is, we have a choice. We get to choose. Do you want to be a type of person that destroys, cuts down people? Or do you want a type of person to speak life and healing? All of us get to choose. 
Do you want your words to destroy people or to lift people up? Do you want to encourage people or put them down? Which one do you want to be? Because our words should bring healing into people's lives. And sometimes the truth hurts. Just because we say the truth doesn't mean it's not going to hurt sometimes. Sometimes speaking the truth in love is going to hurt. But that is love. Because love speaks the truth. Some people don't want to hear the truth when they're in difficult circumstances. And they think because you're saying the truth is actually hurtful to them. But... Speaking the truth in love is what Jesus always did. When someone is in the wrong, we don't condone their behavior and say, it's okay. We speak the truth in love. Guard our hearts. Because what we allow in will eventually shape us. Our thoughts lead to actions. Our thoughts lead to words. Our thoughts lead to behaviors. And as a man thinks, so he will become. So if you allow this into your heart, this thinking, this attitude, eventually it's going to come out in how you behave. It's going to come out in how you treat other people. We can't always be overly critical and be led by the Holy Spirit. Because critical people sometimes don't even know they're critical people and they cover it under the guise of being helpful. They cover it under the guise of trying to be there to help you. And they'd use words like, I'm not critical, I'm just opinionated. I'm just offering my opinion. And it's disguised, but it's still critical. Do you believe the way she dresses? I don't believe she walked up to church in that outfit. My boss, he's a complete idiot. I don't know why I'm there. I wish that coach of that sports team was fired because he sucks. I've said that. <laughs> If I had the money, I wouldn't be spending it on that. They have no idea how dumb they look when they do those things. She's so full of herself. She's always taking selfies for Instagram. I'm just being honest. I'm just calling it like I see it. I'm just saying. All disguises for bringing a critical heart. I know it's real quiet. You can, you can hear a pin drop on the carpet. <laughs> See, our critical spirit is always born out of three places. It's born out of pride, ignorance, and hurt. A critical spirit is always born out of pride, ignorance, and hurt. That's where the root of this comes from. If we are prideful, if we're just plain ignorant in certain situations, and if we've been hurt, because hurt people hurt people. So how do we overcome a critical spirit? How do we overcome 
being overly sensitive to criticism. This is what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be deeply rooted and grounded in Christ. When you are deep and rooted and grounded in Christ, nothing can sway you out of it. When you're rooted and grounded, you know, like a strong tree that has roots, when a storm comes, it's not going to blow over. The wind may gush, the words may come, the the criticism may come, but it's not going to blow over. It might bend a little, but it's never going to blow over because it has strong roots. When we have deep roots in who our identity is in Christ, it doesn't matter what anyone says, it doesn't matter what they call us, it doesn't matter who they say we are, because you know who you are, God knows who you are, and so you're rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. You're not swayed by people's opinions. Who I am matters more than what they think. Who I am in Jesus matters more than what other people think about me. And you're always going to have critics in your world. There will never ever be a time when no one criticizes what you say. The more people know you, the more wide your influence gets, the more critical people are of you. That's just the reality of life. So what do we do? We should not be moved by praise from fans or criticism from haters. We should not be moved by praise from friends or criticism from haters. We don't have to tear each other down to make ourselves look good. And a good rule of thumb is this. Don't let compliments get into your heart or your head and criticism stick in your heart. Don't let compliments go to your head and don't let criticism stick in your heart because there'll be people that will always say good things in your face and criticize you behind your back they'll smile with you it's like deadly assassins you know they'll smile when they're looking at you and when you turn around they'll stab you in the back that's the world we live in but we don't do that we don't do the same thing other people do to us we love those that speak bad about us and that's a challenge. Jesus said that we should pray for those that despise us. Love those that persecute us. Pray for those that are talking bad about you. And the reason he says that is not to let the other person off the hook. Is that it doesn't get into your heart. Guard your heart. Because out of it flow the issues of life. And all you do when you allow criticism to get into your heart is it makes you a bitter person. It makes you eventually become what they are, a critic. That always sees a negative about everything. No, we have to be like Jesus. We have to rise above the noise. We have to rise above the offense. We have to pass over the issues of our life. We have to pass over the criticism and be what Jesus called us to be. Let's focus on what God has called me to do and what you to do and what you to be and what me to be rather than what people say that we should be and design our life based on God's values for us and not what critical people say. Paul brings us all to a conclusion today, and this is what he says. So why do you condemn 
another believer? Why do you look down on one another? On another believer. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Wise words? Very wise words. Why do we condemn someone else? Because it comes from a place of insecurity. It comes from a place of jealousy. It comes from a place of hurt. Pride, ignorance, and hurt. But if you know who you are supposed to be, what God has called you to be, what he's made you to be, you don't have to be jealous. You don't have to pull down. You don't have to compete. You don't have to do anything with anyone else because you have your identity in Christ. And no one can take that away. So enough with the negativity. Enough with trying to be critical, even if it's trying to be positive under the guise of positivity. Let's not be negative people. Let's be Christ-centered people. Let's be people rooted deeply with deep roots down into Jesus. And when we do that, all of His grace and love can flow through us. And I remind you, because sometimes people say, well, does that mean I can't say anything? No, we have to speak the truth in love. Sometimes speaking truth is love. Sometimes people don't want to hear it, but if they're wise, as Solomon said, you listen to constructive criticism. It's going to help change your attitude. It's going to change your behavior, especially if it's coming from a place of someone that know, you know that they love you. So let's be good to ourselves And let's be good to people around us. Let's believe the best for ourselves and best for the people around us. Because God has the best for you and he has the best for the person sitting next to you. So let's be like Jesus that always loved and spoke the truth in love. And was the manifestation or the completeness of love. To live like Jesus in our world, we have to carry his mission this world and how do we live and bring his mission out in our life how do we live and be what jesus wants us to be in our world when you go to work when you go to school when you go out wherever you may be in your social interactions how do we carry the mission and live like jesus we follow his example and we use the principles he spoke to us about so we can true, be true followers of Jesus and take on his values. And we don't react, we respond. Because when we prayfully respond, we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And when we react, we're being led by emotion. Let's understand who we are in God and who we should represent and follow his example in our words, in our attitudes, in our actions. So let me end by asking you two questions. Number one, how can we learn to respond 
rather than react to criticism? How can we learn to respond and not react to criticism? I'll remind you again that response is thoughtful, measured, prayerful, and spirit-led. Reaction is emotion-based, based on how I feel in the moment. So how do we learn to respond more to situations and negative situations and criticism and things that come into our world rather than just react? Someone calls you a name, you're going to call them back. Someone says something bad about you, say bad about you. You have a bad shirt, well, you have a bad shoes. <laughs> How do we respond rather than just react? Number two, how do you guard your heart from becoming overly critical yourself? How do you guard your heart from becoming overly critical yourself? You see, as I said before, when we are immersed in criticism, it's natural for us to become critical ourselves. Because what we align ourselves with, we become so you might be living in a world full of critics, but do you want to be a critic? No. So how do you guard your heart from becoming overly critical yourself? Because, see, Jesus is a transactional God. And let me explain what I mean by that. The transaction that Jesus completed was that what he received, he didn't give out. He received hurt and negativity, and what he gave out was love. So if you take Jesus out of the equation, you'll just have that flow of all the negativity. But when you put Jesus in, what comes out is completely different to what goes in. And as people of God... We are called to be the same way. We can receive, poured into us, negativity. It's like an oil filter, you know. You pour in dirty oil and the clean thing comes out. Because he is a filter for our world. How we should think, how we should act. And so we have all this negativity being poured into us sometimes. By people, surrounding circumstances. But because we have a filter, what comes out is not the same. And if you don't have that filter, it doesn't matter because what goes in will always come out. So if you have negative things come into our world and we're living in a world that is speaking negative about us and talking bad about us, eventually we'll become that. But because we have Christ, because you and I who have decided to follow Jesus, have Him in our world, he filters out. So what comes out of us is not what's being poured into us. Someone calls you this, where you can demonstrate love. Because see, he is the transaction. He changes things. He's a transformer. He changes situations. And so that's why we encourage every single one of you, get to know Jesus. Because he makes a true difference in your world and in your life. It's not some concept out there in the ether. 
He is a transactional God. Right here, right now, He can make a difference. If we immerse ourselves in Him and allow Him to lead us through different circumstances and situations in our world. So transformers, that's what we're called, transformers, because we've been transformed by love and therefore we are able to go out and transform people around us. How do we love in a world that doesn't love us? There's only one answer to that, and it is Jesus. There's no other way you could do it except through Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.